Boston University School of Law, recognized for excellence in legal education since 1872. It's the faculty. It's the students. It's the curriculum. It's the inspiration. Preparing students for the real-world practice of law today. Join host Dan Ray, BU Law alum and WBC 1030 radio host in Boston for this edition of the BU Law Podcast. Well, welcome to Boston University Law School Podcast on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Dan Ray, your host. I have my own talk show uh, uh, here in Boston on WBZ Radio, uh, WBZ Radio 1030, every uh, every Monday through Friday night called Nightside with uh, the aforementioned me, Dan Ray, uh, 8 to midnight. I'm an attorney, a Boston University Law School alumnus of uh, in the last century and a longtime broadcast journalist at WBZ Television and Radio 1030 here in Boston. My guest uh, today is Professor Mark Pettit, Jr., dedicated member of the Boston University School of Law faculty since 1977. Professor Pettit has taught thousands of law students in the areas of contracts, evidence, and consumer law, and has twice served as Associate Dean for Administration. He is often referred to as the singing law professor because of his translation of law through song, including this clip courtesy of national public radio paradise by the dashboard lights i remember every little thing as if it happened only yesterday planning to build an office and there's not another loan in sight and i never seen a contract written any better than you did but the 12-year length is a term that i'm gonna fight because now 12 percent's above the market rate i never did intend such a horrible fate and we're gonna fight this lawsuit for the rest of our lives gonna fight this lawsuit for the rest of our lives well come on it ain't right come on it ain't right Though there is no meaning in the words we write, you can see my intent in parole evidence light. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to the show, Professor Pettit. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks, Dan. It's great to talk with you. Uh, great to talk with you. Uh, you're going to keep the day job, though, we understand, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, that's good <laughs> enough. We'll set that straight, but I'll tell you, you're a courageous uh, man. For over 20 years, uh, Mark Pettit has been transforming his contracts course for first-year law school students into a one-man rock and roll show. Today's discussion centers on the first year of law school and Mark Pettit's creative approach to teaching law. I remember my first year uh, very well, and I remember my uh, first-year contracts teacher uh, Professor Banks McDowell. I don't ever remember Professor McDowell uh, singing in class. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe he, he would have been great. He had told a lot of jokes. Um, I, I guess the, the question, for, particularly for those of you who might be thinking about going to law school, um, maybe we'll get Professor Pettit to uh, paint the more modern day picture of uh, what a first year law student uh, should expect today. Um, I think students would expect a challenging uh, but interesting educational experience. Uh, We call on students to participate. Uh, They can't just sit back and observe. Uh, But most students find it stimulating and enriching for them. Uh, I think we teach them to read in a way that they couldn't read before, uh, to speak with more precision than they could before, and really to get to the heart of a, a matter um, in a way they couldn't before, generally to build up uh, intellectual self-confidence that's going to help them as they serve other people. 
Now, calling on students in law school is not new. I was um, in Professor Dennis Aronowitz's class many years ago, the late Professor Aronowitz, one of the best professors I had at Boston University Law School. But um, he did not um, uh, suffer unprepared students lightly. So if you happen to be called on and you hadn't briefed the cases, um, you were shown the door. Does that still happen today? I, I think we've moderated some, but uh, you know what we're doing is serious business here. We're we're training people to be professionals and to serve other people. And um, if you think about it, um, lawyers have to speak up for others in contentious situations, and they have to be prepared. And so we start that really on day one. Now, you work with students' analytical abilities, basically helping to them to understand the case from every angle, obviously, to uh, figure, uh, understand uh, and appreciate uh, the issues. Uh, and for those who have, again, not been to law school, maybe particularly for those who are contemplating law school, uh, can you describe that process, uh, how you uh, try to break down a contract's case? Well, um I like to tell students that this is the way the system is supposed to work. Uh, they're assigned a case, which is a real story uh, decided by a real court, and um, they read the case, and they read it over again, read it carefully, uh, come in, and they think they're well-prepared. And uh, the instructor will proceed to uh, ask maybe 15 or 20 questions about the case and um, analyzing what was going on and looking at different ways to solve the problem. And these are things that the student uh, hadn't thought about, much less tried to answer. And the reaction is, wow, that Professor Pettit is brilliant. Um, <laughs> but by the end of the course, um, you know, they're coming up with the same uh, analyses and problem-solving skills. So by the end of the course, they're saying, you know, I don't think that Professor Pettit is all that brilliant anyway. I came up with most of this myself. Well, of course, you have the advantage of, uh, in some cases, having um, taught the cases uh, for a few years. That's running. correct. And, of course, That's correct. you mentioned the 15 to 20 questions, which we think is the Socratic method. Is that still the uh, the approved of method in most law school classes? In most law school classes, particularly in the first year. Um, uh, most instructors now have some modified uh, style, some questioning, some lecturing, some discussion. But particularly in the first year, we do call on students to um, recite the facts of cases and go through analysis of what's going on and answer tough questions about about the case. I remember um, us laboring for uh, for weeks in law school. This again, this goes back to actually before you were there in the in the early nineteen seventies, uh, and and after oh, three or four weeks of uh, studying offer acceptance consideration, uh, sort of saying, "Gee, they could have told us that in like two days." Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the I, idea, it's, it's really the, uh, not uh, <laughs> conveying information as much as um, skills training. Um, teaching students how to read a case, how to analyze what's going on, how to construct good arguments. Um, and so we use the substance, and the substance is important, but um, what's really important is um, the skills training that goes on. Now, how'd you come up with the idea of incorporating a music or song into a contracts course? Because most people think of contracts, and well, a lot of the first-year law school courses, courses as, I don't want to say drudge work, but... Um, <laughs> You know, they really the, aren't. You know, they really right. aren't. But um, 
I can't take credit for the idea. Um, this was all done by students. So uh, when I first started teaching contracts, a student uh, wrote a poem about the case for the day and said, I just wrote this poem. And I said, it's pretty good. Do you mind if I share it with the class? And he said, okay. And that went over pretty well. And that spawned a few more poems. And then an enterprising student a few years later um, wrote a poem and said, to be sung to the tune of, actually it was the Brady Bunch uh, song. And I said, whoa, wait a second. Uh, reading poems is one thing. Singing is something completely different. I certainly don't have a good singing voice. And uh, I have to have some decorum in the classroom. As you go along. But, uh, you know, da-da-da-da. So uh, I did that, and then that just opened the floodgates. Uh, and, now, now, you uh, mentioned that the students will write the songs. That's correct. Uh, do you yourself have a background in music? You know, any greater than, I guess, all of us can turn on an FM radio station? I really don't. I love music. Um, I did play clarinet and saxophone in high school. Oh, I yeah, tried that's... out for, but did not make my uh, college glee club. So that tells you something about my singing voice. Um, so no, <laughs> it was just um, not talent that uh, is carrying the day here. Did you have musical influences growing up? Pretty much performers who you admired. Classic rock of the seventies and eighties, uh, that that kind of thing. So. <laughs> now, um, some would say that um, you actually are, I'm, I'm told, are a bit of an introvert. Um, has the collaboration w w between and among the students, uh, as well as the co the collaboration of music and teaching, made you a better professor of law? I think so. Um, the music in the classroom has worked very well for me. I, I generally take a teach a fairly traditional class, um, and this changes the atmosphere some. Um, teaching is a joy for me, with or without music. Um, uh, but um, students really get involved in the class. I think um, the, the main advantage is that students are willing to participate. Um, they can't worry about looking silly um, with saying something not very smart when they've just seen their instructor you know, try to sing with a Lady Gaga wig on. So, um, I think it draws students into the classroom, changes the dynamic a little bit, and I've gotten great mileage out of it. Well, there's some costumes involved here as well. I didn't realize. I've got props and costumes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yes, I have my Lady is... Gaga wig this year. She was big this year. Lady Gaga certainly <laughs> is. Uh, as I say in one of my promos on WBZ Radio, uh, they may not know the three branches of government, but they all know who Lady Gaga That's is. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> now, you exactly. actually, more tra traditional, have covered, I guess, everyone from Tom Petty to Britney Spears. Yep. But I also understand that you changed Michael Jackson's hit, Beat It, which just about everybody knows, to Breach It. Yeah, uh, again, it wasn't me. It was an enterprising student. I'm, I'm just amazed at the creativity of my students. Uh, they just come up with great lyrics. Of course, they have to be uh, correct uh, in terms of what the case says or what the law says. So um, some students say they remember these legal principles by the song. Um, but, you know, students have come up with, you know, Britney Spears, Jay-Z, um, Beastie Boys, all kinds of... I, I think part of the thing is to uh, try to come up with 
things that will uh, challenge my performance skills. Um, and people <laughs> well, get a so kick out of that. So far, you've been up to the challenge, from what I understand. <laughs> yes, now, you, yes. you really put yourself out there. Look, you know, you're the, the, the professor in the law school. Uh, you're sitting there with first year students who I'm sure think they are amongst the most brilliant legal theorists uh, who have ever uh, uh, willingly uh, decided to pursue a career in the law, because I know that's what everyone in my uh, section C saw it, thought back in the uh, in the early 1970s. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but by you putting yourself out there, um, you clearly, I assume, spark more class participation. Right. Uh, I, I, I assume, think that's really what I'm trying to do. By yeah. putting myself out there, I'm trying to encourage them to put themselves out there because the best way to learn in law school is to participate, to get out of your comfort zone a little bit, um, stretch yourself. That's how you grow when you're you're not within your comfort zone, just sitting back and observing. And um, they get the best education, you have to throw yourself in there. And so that's really what I'm trying to encourage. And is, is student participation, you know, you always think about grades. I don't care whether you're in, in, um, in high school or college. Is student participation a factor in not only how well the students are going to do in terms of grades, but also maybe an indicator as to how they're going to do or what type of lawyer they're going to be? I think so. Um, um, you know, Law firms and any kind of legal job is looking for um, energetic, creative, um, enthusiastic people, people that can work with others, people who um, are willing to um, express their views and uh, put themselves out there. So I think that's there's a lot of transference from what you do in a classroom and how you're going to perform as a lawyer. You know, I, th- I think the old axiom is most law schools, three-year law schools, first year they uh, they scare you to death, second year they work you to death, and third year they bore you to death. Let's talk about uh, that first year in law school. And again, I'm hoping that some perhaps college um, uh, seniors or, or people mm-hmm. who are thinking about applying to Boston University Law School are listening to this podcast. Um, First-year law school, um, if, if you're going to go to law school, if you're going to go to a school like a Boston University Law School where you're going to be challenged – you have to expect the professors at some point are going to spin and point at you and, and, and ask you to brief the case. That right. has to be one of the most intimidating experiences uh, that I recall uh, in, in, my, in my time in law school. I think it is intimidating for many people um, you know, to have to perform um, and deal with you know, questions that you don't know what they're going to be uh, in front of your peers. Uh, that's very intimidating. Um, but again, why do we do it? Uh, we don't do this to uh, inflict pain. We do this um, to develop skills and to develop self-confidence. And um, so that when the judge points to you or the opposing lawyer points to you and you have to perform, uh, you've done it. And um, so you do, you do grow by stretching yourself. It also is intimidating in the sense of particularly if you're sitting in a large first-year class section, and I assume that first-year class sections are larger, are still are, are larger than most uh, sections in your second and third year. That's correct. You're sitting there with a professor who you don't know, and you're sitting amongst a group of students, maybe 100, 150 students, uh, many of whom you we don't know We have 90 in our first-year class. 90. Okay. Well, okay. I'm sorry. Yep. I said I should have stuck with 100. So 90, uh-huh. it's still a lot. It's a lot of people. Yes. And it, it, I, I can't imagine a more intimidating, talking about being thrown into the fire, if you will. I think that's true, but um, it doesn't last long. I think the, the greatest fear of first year students is not too much work, but fear of the unknown. Um, and fear of their own, you know, ability to perform in this setting. And 
our students have been great, and they're very supportive of each other. Um, they're with you in the classroom and outside of the classroom. Uh, you make friends, really lifelong friends, very quickly, um, and you're not going through this alone. So there is the fear of the unknown at the beginning. There is um, intimidation at the beginning. But it doesn't last that long. And if you talk to our first-year students after the end of the first year, um, I think almost everyone will say it's been a really great, um, stimulating experience for them, and really fun as well. As you describe it, and as I remember it, the only thing I can analogize it to is the the first few weeks of basic training in the military. Because once again, you're amongst people you don't know. That's right. There's an authority figure who you have to respond to when you're when you're called or summoned, and um, and you have no idea what to expect. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, My guest is Professor Mark Pettit, uh, called the uh, singing professor, the singing law school professor, and we're going to come back and uh, talk more about that first year law school experience. And again, I really do hope that we have uh, uh, folks listening today to get a sense of what it would be like if uh, you were if you applied to and were accepted at one of the nation's best law schools, Boston University Law School. Be back with Professor Pettit in just a moment. Located in Boston and steeped in 138 years of rich tradition, BU Law is number one in teaching quality according to lighter law school rankings and number three in the nation for best professors according to Princeton Review. BU Law, admitting students regardless of race, religion, or gender since 1872 and training them to become leaders in the law. Visit the website and see for yourself at www.bu.edu forward slash law. Now back to the BU Law Podcast with host Dan Ray, a lawyer, a veteran Boston broadcast journalist, and BU Law alum. And welcome back to the Boston University uh, Law School podcast uh, here on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Dan Ray, and with me today is Professor Mark Pettit, Jr. from Boston University School of Law. He's been teaching there since 1977, so... Uh, my math suggests it's about uh, 33 years. Uh, it's a pretty good career. Uh, you obviously uh, love the law school you work at. Uh, as, as you mentioned, you're called the singing law professor. How has it changed? Uh, you arrived there shortly after I graduated. Uh, what is different there today from the time you started, Professor Pettit? Um, I think one big change is uh, the number of women in the classroom. Uh, they're a pretty small minority when I started, and now um, our classes are just about exactly 50% men and 50% women. Um, I think that um, our students, uh, with no uh, disrespect to you, Dan, uh, have gotten better um, uh, the qualifications of our students have gotten better. Um, hey, I see the LSAT st- scores. Yeah. And Dino, Dino Rourke always announces it at the executive uh, meetings of the Alumni Association. And i got to tell you, with those LSTs and those GPAs, a lot of us are sitting there saying, we wouldn't get into right. that. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't be hired by BU today. To, um, faculty, the credentials, um, I had good credentials, but today you have to be a Supreme Court clerk with a PhD and already written uh, several articles. So um, standards have gone up. Um, as, as students come back over over the years, um, and, and I'm sure they do, uh, 
do they do they share with you uh, you know their reflections of of what it was like in your class? Are you able to glean from students who come back five, ten, fifteen years later uh, as to uh, what their recollections, what their remembrances were of Professor Pettit's uh, classes, particularly in the area of contracts or or torts? Yeah, my students have been very good in in sharing stories with me, and there's nothing more satisfying to a teacher than to hear about the accomplishments of his students, and uh, students are very uh, anxious to share those stories with me, and and I love them. We have a, you know, a network, we, uh, they email me, and uh, we keep in contact, and that's a tremendously gratifying part of the job. Now, as you, as you talk to the students, um, do they say to you, hey, the way you taught me made me to think differently about the law? Do you, do you get that sort of reaction that you're teaching stuff? I can't imagine there are too many law school professors at BU or anywhere who are occasionally performing in the way you perform for the class, for your classes. Do they, do they, do they give you the sense that, hey, not only was it fun, but it was a, it was an experience that helped me better understand the law? Um, I get that all the time and I, and I really appreciate it. But I want to say that, um, it may even, there may not be many uh, professors at uh, BU that sing in class, uh, but each has his own particular way of uh, reaching students. And we have a tremendously dedicated teaching faculty and a very talented teaching faculty. And uh, students are talking to all my colleagues um, saying the same things that they're saying to me, that the way you put things or the energy that you put into the teaching uh, has really had a profound effect on me. So it's just, it's not just me. It's not just the singing. Uh, That's just one thing that happened upon me and I'm getting a lot of mileage out of, but um, there are lots of ways that our faculty are are reaching students and um, changing how they think about things in important ways. You, you've taught thousands uh, at this point in your career, thousands of um, aspiring attorneys, first-year law students. As you look back uh, over that, uh, you know, 30-some years, what's the toughest part from your perspective, from where you were standing in, 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 in the, at the rostrum, at the front of the class, of class, what is the toughest part, do you think, of being a first-year law school student? I think the, the toughest part of being a first-year law school school student is the fear of the unknown and the self-doubt. Um, it's not the workload. The workload is is heavy, but I think students expect to work hard. Our students have been high achievers throughout their life. Um, but it's the fear of the unknown. And in the classroom, uh, instead of answers, they're getting questions. Um, instead of information, they're getting challenged. And uh, I think that can be very unsettling. Well, you, well, these are the questions, but what are the answers? Um, and how am I going to fit into this picture? And how am I going to perform on an exam? How am I going to perform uh, when a client comes uh, to me with a uh, contracts problem? So I think that's the most difficult thing for a first-year student, and that's the biggest challenge for a, a teacher is to bring students over that uh, uncertainty and that self-doubt and to build the intellectual self-confidence. When I look back on on my time at Boston University Law School, uh, particularly my my first year, I remember that there's always in a classroom um, the extremes, and you always have a few students who walk into that first-year classroom with the self-assurance uh, of a Supreme right. Court justice. That's right. Uh, and, and I assume that, that you're able, as a professor, to identify those students who are walking in with such supreme confidence that their body language and their attitude probably says, 
why do I have to do this course? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you deal with that student, the student that probably is a little overconfident? Yeah, you don't want to discourage um, confidence, um, and you don't want to discourage participation. But you want, um, you know, just as in a, in a lawyer setting, you don't want the lawyer who you know, speaks up and says the first thing that comes to mind uh, without having thought through. Um, You don't want someone that is so self-confident that they can't see the weaknesses in their own argument or their own position. Um, So, you know, as law professors, we're pretty experienced and skilled at, without um, in any way criticizing or insulting anyone, just ask them tough questions to get them to reassess uh, the certainty of their own positions. And usually um, some well-placed questions and comments um, can let the students see that uh, things are more complicated than they appear. Professor, we've um, reached uh, the the end of the program time, but before we go, I would like to uh, just uh, ask if you have any final thoughts uh, and also where our listeners can get more information on you. Okay. Um, more information on me, uh, go to the BU Law website, which is bu.edu slash law. Um, and not only me, but the rest of my colleagues and uh, information about uh, the law school that I'm privileged to teach at. Um, sort of ad- final advice for first-year students, um, law school is an exciting place. And um, you, if you come to law school with uh, energy and enthusiasm um, and uh, a willingness to learn and to get outside your comfort zone and develop your skills, uh, you'll find it to be a wonderful place. Also, let the system work. You're going to have different instructors with different styles. Uh, Just try to meet the expectations of your individual instructors. And I think by the end of the process, uh, you'll feel that you've really learned things that are very worthwhile to you. Professor Mark Pettit, Boston University Law School, thank you very much for having been with us today. We also want to thank everyone who has uh, taken the time to tune in. You can find all the editions of the Boston University Law School uh, podcast on Legal Talk Network, as well as the Boston University Law School website, as well as in iTunes. And don't forget to listen to my radio show every night, well, every weeknight, I should say, on WBZ Radio uh, from 8 o'clock until midnight. It's If you're around the country, it's WBZ.com, and we uh, broadcast live 24-7. My show's called Nightside with Dan Ray. And to all of you, until we next meet uh, around a, uh, a conference table with the Boston University Law School professor, have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the BU Law Podcast with host Dan Ray. Check out what else is happening on campus at bu.edu forward slash law.